African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Thank you for joining us once again. It's 11 o'clock Central African time. It's that time for African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Mushatama, and you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us on our DSTV bouquet channel, it's on 902. And I want to thank you if you're listening to us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today we're looking for a call for an urgent formation of the Forum for African kings that uh, will be formed to address uh, governments and the African Union. Very interesting topic there. But uh, before we get into that, let's get our news from Anne Musa. In the headlines, U.S. President Barack Obama finally speaks out about the corruption and bribery scandal rocking FIFA. Somali Prime Minister predicts al-Shabaab extremists will be defeated by the end of the year. And South Africa to share its experience on progress made to meet the Millennium Development Goals of cutting poverty by half since the year 2000. A very good morning to you. American President Barack Obama has spoken out for the first time about the corruption and bribery scandal that has rocked soccer governing body FIFA, addressing the media following the G7 summit in Germany. Obama said the sport was a massive business that must be run with integrity. The U.S. Justice Department has charged 14 high-ranking FIFA officials and marketing executives with running a criminal enterprise that involved more than $150 million in bribes. Obama says it's important that FIFA operates with integrity, transparency and accountability. Somali Prime Minister predicts that al-Shabaab extremists will be defeated by the end of the year. Umar Abdurashid Ali Sharmak, however, says tackling the root causes that attract young people to the group will take some time. Speaking after a closed-door meeting of the United Nations Security Council, the Prime Minister noted there may be increased attacks during this month when the Muslim holy month of Ramadan begins. Chiefs of Defence Staff from member countries of the Lake Chad Basin Commission will meet in Abuja, Nigeria today. The meeting hosted by Nigeria's Chief of Defence Staff, 
is to work out the processes for the operationalization of a multinational joint task force in the campaign against terror in the region. Military delegations led by the chief self-defense staff as well as intelligence and security of Nigeria, Niger, Cameroon and Chad are to participate in the meeting along with Benin Republic. Israel and Hamas have been excluded from United Nations Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon's annual blacklist for states and armed groups that systematically harm children during times of conflict. Ban's decision went against the recommendations of his special envoy, who had included the Israeli army and the Palestinian militant group Hamas on a draft submitted for his final approval. Shoen Bryce Peace reports. The annual report lists a host of groups that recruit, kill or maim children or commit rape and other forms of sexual violence that target children. ISIS in Iraq and Syria, Boko Haram in Nigeria, Al-Shabaab in Somalia and the FDLR in the DRC, among others. Groups in South Sudan, including the SPLA in government and in opposition, were listed. But while the UN chief takes Israel and the state of Palestine to task over violations against children, they both escape the listing in the annex, a decision welcomed by the Israeli ambassador to the UN, Ron Prosor. And finally, South Africa's Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries Deputy Minister Beki Tele is leading a high-powered delegation to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations in Rome, Italy. Tele will today address the 38th session of the organization's conference under the theme Breaking the Cycle of Rural Poverty and Hunger by Strengthening Rural Resilience. He will share the South African experience with other delegates on progress made to meet the millennial development goal of cutting poverty by half since the year 2000. Taylor says while poverty levels are declining in the country, inequality levels remain high. Recapping the top stories, U.S. President Barack Obama finally speaks out about the corruption and bribery scandal rocking FIFA. The Somali Prime Minister predicts al-Shabaab extremists will be defeated by the end of the year. And South Africa's to share its experience on progress made to meet the Millennium Development Goals of cutting poverty by half since the year 2000. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us on your radio set through our shortwave service, it's on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. But if you're listening to us on our DSTV bouquet broadcast, it's on 902. That's the channel 902. And thank you for streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Hey, if you've just been introduced to Channel Africa, Africa via the bouquet system. Go find out more about Channel Africa. Go to our website. Let me say it again for you, www.channelafrica.co.za because it was launched just recently last week, Thursday. Well, today we have a very interesting story and very interesting because also we know that uh, the African Union is going to meet in South Africa very soon and it's actually underway right now. We know that the sittings are happening. But uh, an interesting story on the sidelines is that His Majesty Inkosi Amakosi 
Mercy, Dr. Melizwe Lamini III, the monarch of the Langweni Lamini Nation, South Africa, based in La Lucia in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. The king is uh, calling for the formation of the Forum for African Kings to add impetus into the initiatives that have been started by the South African government and the African Union. So really, you can have a Forum of Kings, I don't know, maybe on an advisory level, maybe on a leadership capacity uh, to actually facilitate certain things. And we're going to find out more about this particular process. And uh, really, uh, the call was made in consultation with other kings, including amongst other kings, King uh, Goodwills Wilitini of KwaZulu-Natal, King Swati of Swaziland, King uh, uh, Molotlehi of Bafukeng in the northwest, and uh, King Litsia, uh, the third of Lesotho. So really, we want to know how does this actually have uh, a bearing on African leadership? How does it have a bearing on how the African Union would function in actually creating a sense of uh, a traditional incorporation within the whole setup of the African Union? And right now, uh, we do have uh, the uh, His Majesty Ngosia Makosi, Dr. Melizwe Lamini III, the monarch of the Langweni uh, Lamini Nation South Africa, and also we have uh, the President of the Congress of Traditional Leaders, Hosi Sitlamu Rahu Tobejane, joining us as well as a Professor Herbert, and uh, uh, he's the Chairman of the um, uh, Villagas Development Strategy. So we'll find out more about this uh, call by His Majesty. But let's start with you, uh, Dr. Melizwe Lamini III. In terms of what initiated this call, what necessitated your call for the formation of the Forum of African Kings? Uh, thank you very much uh, uh, for making this opportunity for me to uh, address your listenership. And uh, thank you very much for, for, for Channel Africa to also make this uh, opportunity as well. Uh, what made, uh, what actually inspired me is the recent development uh, during the Africa Day celebrations, which took uh, some time ago. And uh, I think what mostly uh, made me to make this call is the, the kind of participation by, by kings, and perhaps this is my own feeling, but also I think it's an observation by uh, other kings, whereby the uh, lack of participation of the traditional leadership structure uh, at that king's level which, uh, in, in terms of adding the impetus into the process of revival of, uh, of the African ethos and the, uh, the spirits of Africa, in respect of making sure that whatever that has been initiated by our government and the African Union can, can be taken forward with the, with the vibrancy which we think that it deserves because we want to make sure that we take Africa back to to the cause of uh, success. And I think it is, uh, if I relegate to what one of the world's greatest icons said when he, he, he mentioned that we have to say my boy Africa, and to me also it was quite an inspirational uh, message, which then um, also brought it about the Mm, existence mm, of mm. the statement which I have made. Mm. Well, what, so I, I, I think... 
I was just saying, let me, let me take that to Khoshi uh, Sitla Morahu Tobejani from the Congress of Traditional Leaders, the president of that particular uh, Congress. Uh, what is your thought about this particular move of creating that Forum of African Kings and also to actually add such a, an, an arm within the African Union? Uh, your, your views, Khoshi? Uh, thank you very much for having me on your time and uh, good morning to our listeners. This, this call uh, is not new for us. Uh, in our conference in 2001, amongst resolutions, we resolved that we need uh, a linkage between ourselves and the African Union to say uh, whatever our people, the kings and, and the traditional leaders, seniors uh, across Africa, they need to find a way of talking to one another. They need to find a way of making sure that they, they, they share their uh, successes and the challenges that confronted the institution of traditional leadership. It is in that context that uh, the Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa, we are fully, fully unreservedly, you know, support the call to say we cannot be left behind if we want to build the African renaissance that we are dreaming of. We need to make sure that our traditional leadership under the leadership of kings and uh, other organizations that are in, in, South, in Africa should be, you know, find a way of uh, uh, linking with one another. Somewhere in 2008, 2010 in particular, we, we tried that again by calling uh, uh, under the auspices of uh, uh, the African Royal Institution to say, indeed we need African kings to work together in order to restore their dignity, in order you know, to uh, undo the damage that has been done by the colonizers. As long as uh, traditional leaders, the kings and the uh, the, the senior traditional leaders are stirred in a comfort zone while their land does not benefit themselves across Africa, then we have not yet achieved the democracy that in an African uh, uh, you know, explanation of democracy we have been dreaming of. Because the one that we have been dreaming of is the, uh, the democracy that will be characterized by caring, responsibility, accountability, mm-hmm. making sure that nobody, because of the, the state of poorness, the state of unemployment, is, is left abandoned without, you know, being taken care by the, 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 mm. the leadership of a, a particular country. Mm. Well, let me take that to Professor Herbert. Your views about these developments, Professor? Thank you, thank you very much. You know, I've been saying actually for two decades or so now, that declaring mistake of uh, the effort to create an African state, you know, all of Africa has been the sidelining of traditional authorities. Uh, the refusal to, uh, make, to, to, to give traditional leaders the right to participate fully in governance. You see. Uh, the African state is currently structured. is really an artificial structure in the sense that it is an implant from Europe, from the colonial masters. Uh, there's nothing wrong with getting ideas from outside your own society, even in, uh, in African languages. I know in, in Goni, 
in, in Zulu, for example, we say that, you know, in Dogo and Ikaula is this way. You get the most beautiful stick, you know, from outside your country. So we are definitely, uh, Africa has always been for uh, learning from other societies and incorporating what is good into into our myths from other societies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, this well, has not been applied, however, in our politics. The mm. African state is therefore a very defective you know, uh, machinery, and it needs to be that defect needs to be corrected and uh, and, and placed right by uh, making sure that the wisdom and the power, you know, uh, and the knowledge of traditional, you know, leadership is incorporated into our government structure. Mm. Well, let me take that to uh, Professor Lisiba Defo, who has just joined us. He's attached to the University of South Africa. Uh, Professor Defo, thank you for joining us. Your views on uh, this uh, call to uh, actually create a forum for African kings to add impetus on uh, the uh, governmental decisions of governance and the African Union. Your views there, Professor Defo? Well, uh, let me uh, my, pass my greetings to the elders. Um, look, it's, it's an interesting topic that uh, is being discussed here. Um, the objectives of which, for me, is what really matters. Um, I have seen a replication and a, multi- a multiplication of structures that are, in essence, of no consequence. The institution of traditional leadership, in and by itself, is important for me. But I've come to accept that uh, the law of political office seems to be uppermost whenever people think about forming abstractions of this nature, rather than the interest and the benefits that should uh, trickle down to the ratchet of the F, to the subjects led by, 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 such, by such leaders. That's a, that's, that's a, a challenge for me. Um, there might be another way of saving the people without necessarily forming up such a structure. But if you ask me today of what consequence is it, in as much as you ask me of what consequence is the AU or the African Union, uh, yes, we can debate that. But um, maybe let's do what needs to be done uh, in our own small space, in our respective domains, and complement the state mm. to the extent possible. But maybe we don't need such factors and by themselves. Well, I'll, I'll pick your brain a little bit later as we continue this discussion, Professor Defo, just to hear why you come to that particular analysis and that view. But uh, on the line, we have His Majesty Ngosiyama Kosi, Dr. Melizu Lamini III, the monarch of the Tlangwini Lamini nation, as well as Kosi Sitla Morahu Tobejane, who is the president of the Congress of Traditional Leaders. Also joining us is the chairperson of the Vilagazi Development Strategies, Professor Herbert Vilagazi. We establishing the conversation today about the establishment and the call by His Majesty for creating a a forum for African kings to add impetus on uh, governance and on what's happening in terms of the African Union. Do you think this is a great idea to include kings in governance issues? Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you. You can SMS us on plus two seven eight two three. Three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Or you can tweet us at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. We'll come back to our guests and continue this conversation.
would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One. Or write to us at the address PO Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. This is African Dialogue. I'm Benjamin Moshatama. And today we're discussing the issue of the urgent call for the formation of the Forum for African Kings. And I just want to come back to you, Professor Elizabeth Defo. It seems that you seem not really convinced by the establishment of this particular forum. And I know that some of the issues that concern some people in terms of this issue is that some people are saying that this could reinvent, be trying to reinvent the wheel by going back to kind of a feudalistic form of governments when we should be strengthening our current democracy on the continent. Uh, let us know your, your concerns there, Professor Defo. I just want to unpack your reasons why you have some concerns. Look, one, um, the, 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 the contemporary history tells me that when politicians, when, when traditional leaders begin to meddle in politics, then they lose their respect. They lo- lose integrity. They lose, their decorum, they lose also the decorum that should go with their office. They tend to be attracted more to political power and align with the political power of the day that seems to be presiding over the resources. Those are the realities. And then once that becomes uh, evident, then the, that office begins to lose all that goes with it. That's the reality in South Africa and perhaps in other spaces. We see uh, men and women competing for office with, with people that in my culture I would have expected them to be holding a certain space. We must find a mechanism too, at least for them to make an input, Right. But in the main, they should be on the ground serving the people and leaving elected officials doing that job. I think that is the primary thing. One reason that I can assure you mm-hmm. would make me more even inclined, less inclined to, to this idea of a forum, although I understand a forum is a forum, right? Is that if you recall, not long ago, uh, I think mm-hmm. House of Traditional Leaders, they were asking for almost ridiculous benefits, mm-hmm. Right? that ought to be paid for by the taxpayer. While in actual fact, it is their subject in their small respective areas that should be taking care of their own interests. Mm. And if you take it further, they are going to form a structure that must also be taken care of by the state, mm. while the state already is taking care of them in one way or another. Mm. And one day, they will reach a stage where all kings must be treated equally, as, as for now, one king is more superior or more equal than others, and that king will only king. Mm. Now, if you were to treat them equally, how much are you going to invest in each king in South Africa or perhaps in Zimbabwe or in Switzerland? 
Well, let me take that back to His Majesty Nkosiamakos, Dr. Melize Lamini III, in terms of some of the concerns there uh, raised by Professor Lisipati. For we know what's happening in Swaziland with uh, uh, the kind of governance there, and there's been a huge outcry from the international community, just the way that uh, the kind of feudalistic uh, manner in which that country is raised. But what are your views there, Dr. Lamini III, in terms of some of the concerns brought in there by Professor Defo? Uh, thank you very much for the mention content by the professor. One of the things that are quite important and critical to mention is that the act that uh, provides for the, uh, the, uh, the recognition of traditional leaders, which is the Act 41 of 2003, makes very clear that, first of all, Traditional leaders should not align themselves with political parties. It was that a serious breach of, uh, of uh, the, the, um, uh, the code of ethics from their side. It was a natural the political, I mean, the traditional leadership is supposed to be very neutral institution. Right. And that the second mm. part, mm. the second aspect of what is is concerned about, that I think when it comes to the issue of resources, it's quite important to look at what is happening now in the country. Resources, obviously, will always be a question in terms of which, whether an institution or a forum of this nature can be um, fully functional to achieve its objective. But I, need, I think that there is a very important need mm, to compare mm. the 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 benefits mm. uh, of this and and the um, and the losses in respect of that. Mm. Uh, currently, we have a situation whereby head of state um, has got you know costs which they had to incur, uh, which amount to quite a high in astronomical costs which the country has to pay. But yeah. you see, that's part of government, because government has got to be functional. You see, you cannot say that then government cannot uh, be able to foot that deal. Yeah. Well, let, let me take... I, 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 yeah. Yeah, let me take these concerns to uh, Hoshi Tobajani, just to also kind of um, hear what his perspective, the president of the Congress of Traditional Leaders. Well, the many issues that have been highlighted here, I mean, um, uh, Professor Tefo is, is attaching some of the issue of uh, the attraction to power, the, also the issue of uh, state resources being channeled into um, uh, uh, traditional leaders. Uh, there's a lot of concern of uh, just uh, are we actually meeting the needs of the people on the ground. Hoshi uh, Tobejani, your views there? I, I'm afraid time will not permit for us to unpack uh, all the things that Professor Defoe uh, of course, validly raised them. Uh, I would want to start with the one of saying, uh, if we are saying we are invest in the institution put budget of the taxpayers to, uh, you know, the institution how much do we as a country have, uh, in the case of South Africa, to say we need to put aside for the institution? 
I think this question uh, uh, should should go a bit back to say prior to our uh, central uh, uh, fiscal you know collections uh, as a country, uh, traditional leaders they were receiving uh, their way of life from their own people. Nobody was you know uh, uh, coming from the state to give them resources to run themselves. They, they and their people they were you know uh, maintaining and servicing each other. They were paying, you know, levies for the institution directly without, you know, using the fiscal, uh, you know, fiscal of the country. But now that we are saying we are centralizing the way of collecting fiscal and the taxes of our people, it should be therefore through that central, you know, uh, fiscal that uh, traditional leaders are allocated budget to run the administration and so on. I want again to deal with this issue of. Uh, uh, that uh, an idea, of course, we need a situation where traditional leaders are not party political, you know, kind of uh, uh, alignment. Uh, because the danger of that is you become biased to a people, you, you, you will always, you know, be seen servicing the other side, not everybody. But the situation, it's not normal. We, we have to first normalize the situation in our countries because our countries does not even give space for the institution. They don't recognize them. If you then pull out the feedback, nobody will even talk about you. The reason many of uh, our traditional leaders are participating in the party politics system of uh, Africa, it is because it is only that, you know, uh, fora where you will influence decision to say, no, you can't deal with this country mm, without, mm. you know, taking on board the institution of traditional leadership. Mm. When coming to, uh, you know, the African Union itself, to say, uh, uh, does African Union give what the expectations of African, uh, you know, uh, accordingly? Of course, the, the, the answer will always be uh, uh, different. Uh, uh, you will, you know, uh, uh, argue it from a particular uh, position where you are. But we want to say, uh, as African uh, royalty, we need to be given our own space to be allowed to participate directly and influence the policies that are moving towards restoring the dignity of the institution as we are, you know, uh, uh, bringing back our, our land back to our, its own, you know, origin. We cannot do that without, you know, seeing ourselves talking to all these, you know, declarations that they are passing them at African states and even at the United Nations level, we need the participation of this institution. If we mean business to say the institution has got a significant role to play in, in anywhere. I'm sensing a bit of... If we were given that space, we may also help. Uh, I know I know. for, for, for the argument sake, the issue of Swaziland more often becomes, you know, on the scene. It is because on it comes on the scene because nobody is trying to give that particular, you know, system uh, on board. Everybody is just saying, mm-hmm. no, we don't want this uh, monarch system. We don't want. We don't. We don't necessarily want to wish away the democratic dispensation. We want to live side by side with the dis- democratic, you know, dispensation, mm-hmm. making sure that the institution equality enjoy its status within its own area of uh, operation. Well, there sounds a lot of contradictions in some of the things that are coming out in this conversations indeed, because statements are coming out that, hey, we don't want to be aligned to politicians, but at the same time, we want to actually create a space where we influence a sense of uh, political policies and governance policies. And there seems to be a lot of dimensions of contradictions here. Professor Herbert Villagazi, 
if this forum is going to actually work, what is going to ensure that uh, uh, the kings themselves represent their people and their tribes in an efficient way where we don't see them colluding with governments? Thank you very much. I've been very, very uh, anxious to come in. Look, what we are aiming for is to come up with the best form of government for Africa. I'm afraid that we're still looking at African history, at Africa, uh, using European eyes. There was never such a thing as feudalism, you know, in Africa, particularly in Southern Africa. There was no such stage as a feudal stage. We want, you know, this form of uh, government that is suitable to African needs. In 1994, uh, I remember so well, I, even, uh, I proposed, you know, when they were accepting proposals for a new constitutional dispensation in this country, that we should have uh, a parliament made up really of two houses. One house would be filled by people who are elected using modern uh, electoral rules, as is we're following now. The other house, you know, will not be elected on that basis, but will be occupied by uh, people who are selected within uh, the traditional authority system, uh, selected from that, as well as other outstanding leaders of the the community. So you'd have two houses, and then let's see how that works, how that works. That That is our challenge. A few years ago, President Mugabe himself said that, you know, as he looks back now at the history of Africa, uh, post-colonial Africa, he said the biggest mistake that we as African leaders made was to dismiss and sideline traditional leadership. We need to correct Mm. that. That is why in, in our country, for example, you know, I think this is actually true everywhere, but particularly in South Africa, local government is in shambles. It's not functioning. There is no way you can bring development in rural areas without uh, genuine participation, you know, of traditional, you know, leader, leaders mm-hmm. and traditional leadership. Mm-hmm. That issue has to be solved for this country to be able to move forward if you are talking about governmental structures. Mm. Well, I'll bring that back to Professor Lisibati for after this particular break. We need to take one more break because I think, Professor Herbert Villagas, you bring strong points there. We can't keep sidelining uh, the, the monarchs of the continent. How do you actually reach uh, the rural areas? The best way, the way that I've seen, is through rural um, actually participation through traditional leaders. Is that the best way? I'll take that back to Professor Lisibati for after this quick break. Stay with us. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. 
we have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. You're listening to us on DSTV on the Channel 902 and on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Online, it's on www.channelafrica.co.za. If you've just joined us today, we're looking at uh, the call by His Majesty Nkosi Yamakosi, Dr. Mlizwe Lamin, who's joining us today. He's the third monarch of the Llangwini um, Lamini uh, nation in South Africa that's based in La Lucia in KwaZulu-Natal. He's made a for the formation of the Forum for African Kings to add impetus into the initiatives that have been started by the South African government and also the African Union, but also to create uh, African leaders uh, in terms of traditional leaders to come together from a more policy level and governance level. Uh, let me come back to you, Professor Lisibati, for in terms of some of the concerns that were brought to the forefront by Professor Herbert Villagazi. Very, very much valid points saying that, hey, we are actually living in a space whereby we're actually following a Western form of governance. He was speaking about the idea of having two forms of uh, parliament whereby one is elected and another one is a traditional, uh, is is comprising of traditional leaders rather. And also he was highlighting the issue of uh, the problems we have in local governance and that uh, the best way to reach um, issues of local governance, especially in rural areas, is through uh, consulting with traditional leaders there. What are your views there, Professor Elisabeth, in terms of some of those areas that were highlighted? I, I, I've worked with Professor Zilagazi as a young man, and um, his theme is exactly what he's uh, talking about today. Rural development is a sine qua non for any successful development of any country, and uh, that I think uh, it, it boils down to that. But do we need uh, a structure that is um, as costly as the one that we have now, with the legal authority that it has, to a point where it can compete with local government or provincial government, and then create the tension that ultimately vitiates and weakens the very mandate or objectives uh, that some have uh, had when they thought about their the traditional institution. That's one. Two. When you look at, um, at, um, at um, the cost, right, vested in the, in the house of traditional leaders, and in particular of the king of the Zulus, and you say, if that money were to be deployed for the benefit of the small man, how much advanced would these areas under the kings and the chiefs would be developed? Mm. But Professor yes, I mean, fighting. yes, they can get their mm. allowances, but let's not run away at a cost that go in attendance with the services that they are rendering. Mm. They are almost at, at par with elected officials. Mm. And therefore, let them remain elected officials and serve in those capacities, but don't pretend that it is because you are a traditional leader, then you are in parliament, then you are entitled to X and Z. 
Okay, I hear some of your concerns, but uh, don't you think that we have sidelined traditional leaders in terms of uh, in, in leadership capacity in our in our African countries and how we can actually restore that in in a certain way? How, how do we level those grounds, those concerns that were brought by our other guests? Because that's their main concern. His Majesty is saying that Hosi Tobajani is saying that uh, Professor Vilagaz is saying the very same thing, saying, "Hey, we've been sidelined out of governance. We've been sidelined out of uh, certain parts of uh, uh, policy." making how do we incorporate them back in a, in a fair manner so that they actually are not just uh, um, models of uh, just a sense of uh, invisibility because we don't see them in communities we see them in certain ritual rituals and when they uh, facilitate funerals and, and, and things like that but I'm sure we need them in certain serious positions um, and decision making uh, areas in our governments uh, Professor Therefore, your views there? Two of my latest publications, 2014 and 2015, are pro-traditional leadership and the empowerment of the offices of traditional leaders, including human resource and financial management, and and reasonable voter education and and, uh, electoral education, so that they can understand what is happening in their spaces and so on. Yes, I'm in favor of that. But it is, look at the role they play. Is myriad activities and roles that they play, and they are important and they are significant. But it is when you wear too many caps, then you begin to lose that respect that your office deserves. And the fora and the platforms, as long as they don't want to institutionalize them, I would support them. A platform for the exchange of ideas, for sharing experiences and good practices, that is fine. But let there be also a mechanism not necessarily by their institutions, by other means, that will take their views, their concerns, their suggestions forward to influence policy at any level. I am mm. one of those who understand mm. there shall be no development, especially at local level, unless you involve traditional mm. leaders, mm. barefoot professors, indigenous knowledge holders, and so on. Hmm. Well, we have to wrap it up. As was highlighted by Hoshi Tobejani, that we can't uh, deal with all the angles in this particular program. But uh, I want to come back to you, Hoshi Sitlamurahu Tobejani, in terms of how do we move this thing forward? How do we make sure that uh, uh, we facilitate this, but also in a way that's very it has an, a sense of integrity, a sense of uh, really transparency, as highlighted there by Professor Lisiba Defohori. We need a sense of transparency, a sense of uh, alignment to the people more than governance itself. Your views there, uh, Mr. Tobijan? I, I fully agree that uh, uh, we need to find a way of building the capacity of the institution of traditional leadership. Before we can even, you know, think of saying they are not doing this, they are not doing that, we must understand that when the dawns of democracy across Africa were, were you know, blooming, and uh, the institution was, you know, leveled and then sidelined and ignored and left at the cocoon. So, so we have not, you know, invested in the building of their capacity so that they are up to the task, you know, ahead of themselves. What do we need to do now is to make sure that each country is, is investing sufficient resources to build the capacity of the institution so that their role, their, their function becomes meaningful add value into the lives of people because for now you'll find one two there who are better off but 
uh, the majority of our people have been, you know, transplanted, they've been ignored, they've never been, you know, given an opportunity uh, to, to prove that they can do things for themselves. Bear in mind, when we, all of us, yeah. are talking here today, we are talking out of the very same schools that were mobilized and organized under the institution, without mm. resources supported by any government. They were themselves leading their own people to say, let's build school, let's do training, let's do this and that. And today, when we are saying we have attained our democracy, instead of saying this institution has been, you know, suffocating out of colonization, out of you know, apartheid, let's build it, let's make it, let's make it, you know, to become relevant into the uh, democratic dispensation mm. that we are building in Africa. We know that you cannot wish away whatever you wanted, the institution of democracy, they will remain uh, alive side by side with all of us. Therefore, we need to pick up the pieces of our institution and put it where we wanted it to be, instead of wishing them away. Well, I hope we had more time, but we have to wrap it up there. But the different views that have come out and uh, uh, very strong uh, differing ideas that are coming out during this particular show. But I want to thank His Majesty Nkosiamakosi, Dr. Melizwe Lamini III. Thank you for joining us on the program. It's an honor speaking to you. He's the monarch of the Langweni Lamini Nation of South Africa. Thank you as well to Hosi Sitlamorahu Tobejan, who's the president of the Congress of Traditional Leaders. Thank you as well to Professor Herbert Vilagazi bringing your views, their strong views as well. He's the chairperson of the Vilagazi Development Strategies. And I want to thank you uh, to Professor Lisebate for also bringing his uh, differing point there. And he is attached to the University of South Africa. Now, that's our conversation. What is your view? Do you think that uh, uh, kings should be aligned into governance? They should be streamlined into uh, 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 our parliaments and this introduction of uh, Forum for African Kings. Let us know your thoughts. Plus two seven eight two three three. To five nine zero five. That's our SMS number. SMS us your views there, or you can tweet us at African Dialogue, or you can tweet us at Channel Africa. I've got Tabiso Luoko here waiting, and he's going to give us our economics update. The South African government and the Policy Association have vowed to do everything possible to prevent potential job losses in the poultry industry once the agreement with the U.S. on its Africa Growth Opportunity Act, AGOA, comes into effect. South Africa and the U.S. agreed at the weekend that South Africa would relax its anti-dumping duties and allow a specified amount of chicken imports from the U.S. under AGOA. Special Envoy on Agoa, Faisal Ismail, has briefed the media in the South African Parliament on the possible impact of the local poultry industry. And arrive at a compromise to provide the United States with 65,000 tons of bone-in chicken pieces. For South Africa, that was very significant. It required a lot of talking, a lot of explaining to the United States that the impact of any significant uh, additional Uh, imports of bone-in chicken uh, would be quite severe on both production and jobs (coughs) in in an industry that we want to grow. 
After receiving over $37 billion in financing assistance at the end of the war for its reconstruction projects in the last 10 years, Angola has turned its focus again to the People's Republic of China. This time around, Angola is seeking $25 billion for development projects aimed at diversifying its economy. Eyeing this, the President of Angola, Jose Eduardo dos Santos, starts on his three-day visit to China today. Phil Nello reports in Luanda, Angola. President Luis Santos' visit to China is intended to strengthen the existing cooperation and friendship between the two countries and negotiations for a new financial aid deal. On the fringes of the visit, a business forum is to be held with a view to attract investment for Angolan's economic diversification program. During the three-day visit, both sides will sign several agreements to fund some important and priority projects for the economic growth of the country in the financial, agriculture, higher education, energy and education fields. The launch of the Trapetite Free Trade Area in Egypt tomorrow is seen as a significant milestone for the African continent. South Africa says the launch sends a powerful message that Africa is committed to its economic integration agenda and in creating a conducive environment for trade and investment. The deal between the East African Community, Southern African Development Community and the Common Market for Eastern and Southern Africa will create a market of 26 countries with a population of 625 million and gross domestic product of more than $1 trillion. Europe's largest bank, HSBC, is planning to cut 20,000 jobs around the world as it tries to reduce costs and simplify its business. The bank has also announced it will sell businesses in Turkey and Brazil. HSBC has confirmed it's reviewing whether to move its headquarters out of the UK and will make a decision by the end of the year. The announcement to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange came ahead of a presentation to investors and analysts when CEO Stuart Gulliver will give more detail on his second major strategic plan since he took over the start at the start of 2011 rather hsbc also set its new target for return on equity at greater than 10 percent by 2017 down from its previous target of 12 to 15 percent by next year the u.s dollar 12.56 in south africa 994 in Botswana, 724 Zambia, 65 British pound, 89 euro, gold, 1108 dollars, platinum, 1176 dollars an ounce, while Brent crude oil is at 62 dollars, 90 cents a barrel. Channel Africa's economic update, I'm Tabisolo Hoku. Well, thank you very much, Tabi. So it's time for us to get our sports from Musibudi Makura. President Barack Obama has made his first comments on the scandal enveloping soccer's governing body, saying the sport is a massive business that needs to be run with integrity. Obama was speaking at the G Summit in Germany, or rather the G8 Summit in Germany on Monday. He went on to say he cannot comment directly on FIFA's investigations into bribery and corruption at FIFA. As 
the investigation uh, and charges uh, proceed, uh, I think we have to keep in mind that although football, soccer, depending on uh, which side of the Atlantic you, you live on, uh, is a game, uh, it's a, also a massive business. It is a source of incredible national pride, uh, and people want to make sure that it operates with integrity. Uh, the United States, by the way, since we keep on getting better and better at each World Cup, uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, you know, a sport that's gaining popularity uh, is conducted in an uh, uh, upright manner. In conversations I've had here uh, in Europe, people think it is very important for FIFA to be able to operate uh, with integrity uh, and transparency and accountability. At the same time, Olympic Chief Thomas Bach says the scandal-plagued FIFA needs painful but necessary reform. The IOC president says the crisis at football's world governing body was bigger than the bribes for votes over the awarding of the 2002 Winter Games at Salt Lake, at Salt Lake City. We can only encourage uh, FIFA uh, to continue uh, the way of uh, reforms, which obviously have been initiated. Uh, we cannot give advice of what to do in, in detail, uh, but uh, we appreciate uh, that uh, there is uh, the readiness, obviously, for uh, reforms now uh, and for substantial uh, reforms. And um, uh, we also know from our experience uh, that uh, the other part of uh, the job uh, that uh, means... Uh, putting everything uh, on the desk uh, can be a painful uh, experience uh, but uh, that uh, it is uh, absolutely necessary the temperature is sure to rise in New Zealand on Wednesday as the round of 16 gets underway at the FIFA Under-20 World Cup with their first eight teams, knowing that even the slightest mistake could leave them packing their bags for home. The opening installment of games will see Serbia take on Angre and Mali get the grips to with Ghana. A little day. A little later in the day, Colombia will tackle the, the United States of America in what ought to be a very interesting encounter, while Ukraine and Senegal will bring their contrasting style of play to Auckland. Back home, Sheikh Mashaba, the head coach of the South African main senior team, admits his players are not at full fitness, saying it was always going to be difficult for the players to switch on again following the Premier Soccer League recess. The national team gathered for their first training session in Durban on Monday, ahead of Saturday's AFCON 2017 qualifier against Gambia. The match will take place at the Moses Mabida Stadium, with kickoff set for 3pm Central African time. The reaction is not so quick as one would have expected. Like I indicate, the, some of them, they come out from, from holiday. When they got the call-up list, they're already somewhere else. That's why I would like to say thanks for the boys heading up to the call. But uh, you could have seen them. The things like sharpness lacking this morning. And you could see they're dragging themselves. But we can only hope that just from this afternoon, we're going to work on their sharpness as well. Just let you get out, does that go? And finally, tennis news after claiming his third career Open title. South Africa's top quads player Lucas Sitola switches his focus to the Diago Open, which gets underway later today in Korea. The South African is favourite to claim the title after an impressive 6-2-6-1 win over Britain's Anthony Correll in Saturday's Korea Open final. Moshe Tennis South Africa general manager Karen Losh says the win will definitely give Sitola the confidence. Very proud of, of Lucas's performance. Um, 
apparently he is on top form. He played really great tennis going into the event. Um, and as you said, he, he managed to claim his third title at the Korean Open. Um, he's now off to Degao, where he's going to be playing the Degao Open, also in Korea. Um, and it's very important for him to do well in these two tournaments in Korea before he heads off to France for the, the French Open. Pazaya Sports News at the SAR. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, that's how we wrap up our program. Just a reminder, African Dialogue comes to you Monday to Thursday at 11 o'clock Central African time. So do join us every day at this time. Uh, You can join us on the DSTV channel 902 and on the frequency if you're listening to us outside the continent. And uh, if you listen to us within the continent but into the continent of Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And online you can also stream us on www.channelafrica.co.com. Well, tomorrow we're going to be looking at uh, the issue of what civil society thinks of uh, the electricity crisis in South Africa. There was a big gathering that took place last week, really, where civil society was speaking about the electricity crisis in South Africa. I know that electricity is a big topic, not just in South Africa, but on the continent. So we'll learn a thing or two tomorrow. But thank you for joining us today. Until tomorrow, God bless.